You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Good morning, church. Well, I hope you all can stay awake this morning because you get my service this morning or you get my message, but it's not my message. It's a message from God. Pastor Matt and Deb are in Florida enjoying the real heat of the summer, visiting their oldest son. Um, I want to thank them for allowing me to speak into their family, church family. To me, he, he so highly thinks of his congregation and what he does for us, which I will get into some of that this morning, uh, what it means to be. My message this morning is the importance of God's family, the importance of gathering together, what it means, what it looks like. Um, welcome all of you here this morning. I hope that God, my, my, my prayer for everybody was last night that everybody sitting in here and anybody listening to this message, that God would touch you and change your life and encourage you and strengthen you in the things of him. So that was my prayer last night for everybody. So before I start this morning to deliver the word, uh, let's say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone hearing this message. I thank you, Father God, that the Holy Spirit would have his way in here. I thank you, Father God, that this message is from you and not from me. And I thank you, Lord, that every life here is changed. I thank you, Father God, for encouraging us. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. And I bind the devil right now on any, any, anything he has against this message going out and bearing fruit. I command his assignment to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As I get started this morning, we all probably had families. Maybe some of us didn't. Um, before I come... In, uh, in the God's family, I was 37. I thought I had a pretty good childhood, pretty good family life, I thought. And when I got to uh, fall in love with Jesus, or I knew that Jesus loved me, I found out that my, my childhood was kind of dysfunctional, like probably most of ours are. If we had a functional family like God's, we probably wouldn't need Jesus, right? So... To some point, every family is a little bit dysfunctional. So hopefully this morning, I have some points that will cover what this family looks like. It's supposed to mirror our other family. God has things that he wanted us to do for his kingdom. He's got a calling on everyone's life, and uh, he wants to see that through. So with that, this morning... I'd like to, uh, if you got your Bibles, or you can read it on the screen if they have it, um, go into Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And I'm, leaving, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, verse 24. Think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming again is drawing near. 
pick those verses, that verse for the main verse to start this. I think in the day that we live in that we don't understand why we go to church or what the main purpose is gathering together. I know there's a lot of people that say, well, I don't need to go to church. I can do it online. I can do other ways of getting the word in, which is true. You can. But there's something about the close-knit part of the family that God wants us to have. It's a commitment to each other. It's, um, some of us might have good family you know, growing up, so they know what it's like to have brothers and sisters, a loving father and mother. Not all of us have that, but some of us do. But God is a loving father. And he's, he wants us all to work together. When we're all working together, his agenda on the earth will come true. The introduction, one of the most important parts of the church is the family-like aspect. Being a part of a family is a great blessing. One of the blessings I can think of, being part of this family, when you're part of refuge, Pastor Matt prays for us every day. Every one of us gets prayed over. It's called God's covering. I don't know about you, but I remember there was a time in my Christianity that I didn't have a covering. Our church wasn't there anymore. I had no covering. You can tell a big difference when you don't have somebody praying over you, a pastor praying over you, praying over your family. So that's one of the aspects of family. We have a father. God put him over us as a shepherd. So he prays for us. He has the anointing to pray over us and have that covering of a church over, over us. So that's one. That's just one of the Family acts like being the blessing of being part of a church or a church family. Um, another one is the, the protection, divine protection that he prays over us. We don't even, if we could see everything that don't happen to us, we'd probably be pretty amazed. We'd probably be pretty amazed at what pr divine protection does for us. I'm going to go over 10 elements. I don't know if I'll get through them all today. Um, I kind of prepared more than I have time for, but there's 10 elements I want to go over, or 10 points, bullet points, how a family to function properly or pro really working. Um, the first bullet point or the first element, in a family we find expectations. Jesus has given talents to different people, and he expects those talents to be used. Talents. I'll give you an example of talents. Somebody might be good at singing. Somebody might be good with children. Somebody might be good at encouraging people. Somebody might have a talent of, of ushering, greeting people. All those things are talents that we have that God give to us, not just for us. We can use them to bless other people and strengthen other people in areas where they are not strong at. If you're strong in an area, somebody might be weak in an area, you encourage that person that's weak in that area, that will strengthen them in their weaker area. So there are some examples of some talents, just basic talents. You can take that one step farther. That's all the talents in this church. There's different things that you can use right in this church 
for the kingdom of God. And then there's other talents, like your brother might need, your brother or sister out here might need, might have a leaky faucet. Somebody in here might know plumbing. Hey, I'll come over and take care of that for you. There's another talent that you can use to bless another Christian, or maybe not even a Christian. So everybody has some talents in here. God's given everybody something that they can use. And it's not, like I said, it's not just for us. It's for us to bless others with. Jesus wants us to grow. And what I mean by grow is, of course, we all know physically we're going to grow up. We're going to go from small to big. But he wants us to grow spiritually. Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says that he grew in stature and wisdom and with favor with man and God. So if he did it, I think he wants us to do it also. He is our example. So what I mean by, what I mean by growing up, he wants us to mature in his word. So what I mean by maturing is you get in the word, you learn more about Jesus, you grow up. The milk of the word, they call it in the Bible, the milk of the word is when we're getting fed all the time in the beginning, when we're just born again. We just know the things of God. The milk is God loves you. God has a plan for you. God, you know, the reiterating of who God is to you. As you grow in the Lord, God wants you to mature as in who you are in Christ. That's a big one because you, when things of the world come at you, you need to know who you are in Christ. And what that means is, what that looks like is, I know that God loves me. I know that God is for me. I know that I have more power than the devil. I know that I can take my circumstances and speak out the right things and I can change the circumstance. So when things come at me, I know where to go in the word and say, I know how to I can battle this on my own. Not on my own. I have brothers and sisters and I have a pastor. But you don't have to run all the time as you grow. You start to get mature. And now you take that maturity that you have as you grow and you help the younger Christians to grow and come up and learn the same things that somebody taught you. So just like growing up outside of here, I'll give you an example of Okay, if you're, you're a baby, you're three months old, six months old, you fill your diaper. Oh, it's cute. It's just a baby. It's no big deal, right? The baby's still cute. What happens if that baby is now seven years old and still doing that? Hmm, that's not so cute anymore. It's time to you know, you mature. As the stages go up, you, you, grow, you grow in physical as you grow spiritually. That's a parallel of the two, what it looks like. So that's the expectation gives. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 18. But grow in the special favor and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be all the glory and honor, both now and forever. Amen. God wants us to mature. God wants us to realize our potential. And he wants us to do our best. It's just honoring God. I, I don't, how, how to explain it 
any differently than when I've come to Christ, when I've known that Jesus actually loved me. Again, I was 37 when that happened. I realized my heart, when I realized that my heart changed, and now everything isn't about what I know up here. There's head knowledge, and then there's the heart. And every time I miss the mark or don't get it right, I can pretty much look at myself and say, it's probably a heart issue. There's something going on. I mean, that's why with giving and all the things we do, it's, it's about our heart and our relationship with God. It's got nothing about to do with the church you're sowing seed into or, or anything like that. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ and the one who saved you. Make it personal. The aspects of the family here, we get to know each other personally. You know, it's not only just, hey, Joe, how's it going? And you pass by and there's nothing. There's no relationship there. God is all about relationships. He's all about relationships in ours vertically and ours outwardly. Next bullet point, be in the family, we have forgiveness. This always seems to be a big one for some, maybe for all of us. Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 14. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us to get all together in perfect harmony. Love makes allowances for others. If any of us have been married a long time, know that the other spouse has things we don't care about. Habits, whatever. Um, I know I per have plenty that my wife don't really care for. But she makes allowances for me and lives with that. I make allowances for her. It's easy for us to go the other way and not make allowances. We want somebody to be this way and that way, and we're not ourselves. So you must forgive because God forgave us. I didn't even know God. For 37 years, I lived in the world. I did everything the world did. I did everything the world said that would make you happy. And I wasn't happy. When I knew God loved me, I felt so bad at what I had done and didn't even realize it all the while I was doing it. It's your heart. If you have a heart for God, he'll show you and teach you how to forgive. I want to give an example. If you're taking any notes today, and Jesus expects us to forgive one another. And this is a saying that I guess I've heard when I was a baby Christian, and it's always stuck with me. Not forgiving is like taking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. It doesn't help the other, the other person may not even know you to have unforgiveness for them. But you're the one that it, it poisons, unforgiveness does. In Matthew 6, chapter 14 and 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. 
But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Um, I guess we know what that result is if your sins are not forgiven. I want my sins forgiven. I want everybody's sins forgiven. That's what Jesus died and paid for on the cross. Next point is, in the family, there is encouragement. Um, Jesus wants us to encourage one another. You might see a brother and sister that's down. A kind word, the Bible says, will pick a spirit up. Will pick your spirit up, a kind word. Um, I'll give an example of what encouragement does not look like. Um, some of you know that a couple years ago I worked in oil fields for eight months. Um, I'd leave home for two weeks, live in a shack that wasn't made fit for people to live in, but 10 guys would stay in there. And every morning on those two weeks that I was on, every morning I'd go to a safety meeting from very high up safety directors, managers, and every morning they'd cuss and swear at us before we start our shift for 12 hours. I'm going, hmm, okay. Not very encouraging to me. Some of the guys thought, ooh, I'm, I get encouraged. I go, I don't know how you can get encouraged from that because I surely don't. <laughs> Makes me feel about that big. Yet my boss would tell me I'm doing a great job. But every morning, I get a different message. So what I'm saying is encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. I need encouragement. At some point, everyone needs encouragement. Sometimes in, in the life of being a Christian, it should be if we all were perfect, we'd just sail right through and everything would be even. But apparently, I'm not living that way because sometimes I have highs and I have lows. For me and my wife, we just come out of a season that I care not to ever go through again. But in that season, God showed up every day. God picked us up. God encouraged us. Friends encouraged us. People give us a kind word. People, that's what families are. In your families at home when you grew up, your mom and dad saying good things over you. I'm not saying yours did. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they did. But one kind word from your parents can encourage a kid. It picks them up. It makes them feel valuable. It makes people feel encouraged. They're part of something that they're part of. It makes you feel like, I'm welcome here. So encouragement is, is big. We're, the refuge, we're, we're reaching out to the community. We want to reach out. People are coming in here, hurting people. What do hurting people need? Encouragement. They need to know God loves them. Where are they going to get that? From you. That's where, they, that's where people are going to get it from, from you. God wants to use you. Like I'm up here this morning, I'm just a part of what God wants to do. It's not me. And God wants to use every one of us. He has a part for us. So encouragement is very important. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. How can we encourage one another? By properly spoken words. And I'll give an example. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Don't use foul or abrasive language. 
Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Again, an encouraging word changes, can change a whole day for somebody. One word can change a whole day for somebody. Next point. In the family, there's discipline. Any, anybody out here like discipline? Um, I probably don't, but it's, I know I need it. I know it's good for us, but nobody likes to hear that word, discipline. But in God's family, there is discipline. He does discipline us. If he didn't discipline us, well, we'll get to that scripture, but if he doesn't discipline us, it means he doesn't care. And I think he cares quite a bit about us. And in, the, you know, in your own family, growing up, you know, I'll give an example. Um, I wasn't, I was kind of a sassy kid, kind of say. I like to get away with a lot of things. And uh, I got to a point where my mom couldn't catch me. Hmm. So I do something and I run. Yeah, well, she didn't forget. So, you know, about supper time, I thought everybody forgot. And I'd sit down at the table and uh, all of a sudden, whack. Oh, what was that for? You remember. Well, I did. She did. My dad didn't know nothing about it. Oh, why are you doing that to him? But I knew why. That's because I couldn't catch you for what you've done this morning. <laughs> so, you know, and I needed it. I deserved it, you know. And it taught me that, you know, what I did wasn't right, wasn't acceptable, shouldn't have been doing it. Now, if she didn't do anything, what message is she sending to me? Well, what you did is okay. It's all right. Don't matter. So I would keep on, go through life and keep doing the same thing that wasn't right to do. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you are illegitimate and are not really his children after all. If we are not disciplined, we are not God's children. Discipline helps us to become Christ-like people equipped for the kingdom's use. So the second Timothy, another scripture to, to show you, second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture inspires us by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. 17. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. See, so in the scripture, God disciplines us. He shows us what's right. He shows us what's not to do. If we do what's not right, we get the consequences of that, that we do that's not right. So God's only doing it so you can have the blessing, the blessings of God. He's not doing it because he wants, wants you to be, feel miserable. He's doing it because he loves you, just like you do with your own kids. If you don't want them to touch the hot stove, you're going to tell them not to touch the hot stove. If you didn't love them, you'd let them touch the hot stove without saying anything. So God is the same with us. That, that's a, I mean, God is such a loving God. 
He wants us to have his blessings. He made the scriptures that we're reading this morning. It's a script. God made a script for life for us. How to live life and to have the blessings of God. Remember, Jeremiah 29:30. God is for us, not against us. He has a plan for us, a future for hope. God is for us. The only one that's not for us is who? Devil, Satan, he's not for us. God is for us. The next scripture, 2 Timothy, oh, I just read that one, sorry. God wants us to live in a certain way in his family. Bullet number five. In a family, we have a support group. God supports us. God wants us to support each other. Here's another thing that I probably said it in men's group. I've probably said it to people that have been close to me. But you know, when people come in here, they're hurting. They come through the doors. They don't know that God loves them, some people. They don't know that. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Because you have all this knowledge of God. You can tell people all day long. But until they know you care, you, you're preparing, preparing the ground for the seed of, of God. When you say something or you give somebody something about God that you want them to know, you have to prepare the soil. You have to prepare their mind. So if they know you care, what did you just do? You open up that soil, that, their brain, their heart. You've opened it up because they know you care. So when you plant your seed that you want, it'll take root. God wants his family to be sensitive, sensitive to the needs of the people that you meet. Um, if you see somebody, they might just need prayer. And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. People will take prayer. It might be a short prayer. And again, you'll change that person. They're hard to be different. You, the caring part, they know that you care. You're willing to step out. And sometimes it's not easy. I'm not saying some of this is easy. But God will help. God will give you that boldness that you need to, do, to step out. And again, be sensitive. People need, it might be a prayer. It might be, you know, somebody might need to ride someplace that don't have a car and you happen to be there at the right time. It might be somebody just, I know there's the times people go in the hospital and people need prayer or people need a meal. These are all things that you can support and be sensitive as supporting in this family, in the church family. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. For one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. When's the last time somebody that had, was blessed that you were happy for them? That's kind of tough to do at times, especially if things ain't going well in your life. It can be tough to be happy for somebody else. But it's encouraging because you know how I do it? I'll give you a little piece that I think God has blessed me with. If I see somebody else being blessed, I know that God is no respecter of persons. 
what he'll do for that person, he'll do for me. We need to get together as a group, not as lone Christians. There's benefits of coming together. There's benefits of being part of a group. Um, I'll just share the first church I was in when I was, that uh, when I, me and my wife were born again, basically three months apart. And the church that we attended was a family. We did, you know, I come out of the world if I didn't have a church family, where would I go? What would I do? Would I fall back into my old ways? I would have nobody to encourage me to stay in the things of God. So they were a family. Me and my wife would, for months, church was Sunday and Wednesday, Sunday and Wednesday. Well, that was too far apart for us. We would write questions. We'd be reading the Bible. We would write lists of questions by Monday morning, and I'd be on the phone calling somebody, an older person from the church that was well-seasoned, and we'd call them. Can you meet? Do you got any time? Can you, can you meet with us? I have a lot of questions. I don't understand. What does God mean here? What is he saying? I would meet with people during the week, and they would go over. I'd have all these questions written down, me and my wife, and they would answer those questions. And it encouraged us. And not only did it encourage us and strengthen us, it encouraged the older people to see somebody hungry for the Word of God. So it, we all got encouraged and strengthened. And then on, on the weekends, we would, we would play volleyball. We have, we'd, go to the, we'd go down to the park and we'd have our group there. We'd play volleyball. We'd have a picnic somebody bring a jet ski. We always did things together as a family because if I would have went back to my old friends, what would I have done? The things they did. Drink and party and do all that stuff. I didn't want that. That wasn't my heart. So that's why it was so important. I moved here. Me and my wife moved here five years ago. I don't have any real family here. I have a brother that lives in Nakusa, but I don't have no family here. Guess who's my family? You guys, you're all I got. If I, want, if I want to make friends, I could go uptown. I don't want those kind. I want the kind that believe I way. Do I want to go witness to them and share Jesus with them? Absolutely. But I want you guys as friends and family and get together and go to your house and have cookouts. And that's what families do. That's what, that's what fam, the natural family out in the world does on the weekends. What do they do? Most people, they go to a cabin or they go to the lake or they, you know. We can do those things. Christianity isn't being a four walls and we have to be like this. We can enjoy things that we have together. And we used to play softball. We used to have softball league. We used to, you know, we did all kinds of those things. But that strengthens us and keeps us, there's a bond. There's a bond that you get with people, with family, that strengthens you, that people can't come in between. And it's really encouraging. Hebrews 10, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of the Lord is coming near. 
I just want to say again, you know, coming to church on Sunday is way more than just coming, worshiping God, and then having a sermon, which we all need. It's encouragement. We come for encouragement for the week. So I don't know where everybody works. I work out in the world. I need encouragement in the things of God. I can stay home, and I can encourage myself in the Word and know what God says about me, but something is said about my brothers and sisters hanging out together and encouraging each other uh, the things of God. Um, I don't think I'm going to get through all this. <laughs> That's all right. Um, next bullet point. In the family, there are problems to be worked out. How many knows when there's people together, there's problems? You know, every family has problems. We have issues. I mean, everybody has a different personality. We're bringing them all together. Well, everybody has a different idea. Of course we're going to not have CII on everything. I mean, it's just, it's at work, it's at home, it's, it's everywhere. That's just the way that it is. But in a family, we can communicate. We can work those issues out. We don't always have to agree on everything to work things out. How many know if you've been married at, at any length of time that you may not see eye on everything, but you still work it out, still work it out and communicate, and that's part, even in the Bible, Acts chapter 6, there was problems. They didn't even know how to serve all the people. The girl, they were growing too fast, and they were trying to get, so they had to come together and say, we need people to serve all these people. So they worked it out. Another, in, there's just problems in the Bible, even, even in the first church. If you read in Acts, you will find that there's plenty of problems. Even in the, even in the Bible times. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25 Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom at war with itself is doomed. A city or home divided against itself is doomed. And that comes from where they were trying to tell Jesus that he was casting out demons, that he was demon-possessed or king of devils. Well, he said, you can't. Why would the devil be casting out the devil? Divided. Same with here. We want to be on the same page and be together. Well, I think I'm out of time. So in closing, I will give you the 10 points as we're, as we're closing the service this morning. In conclusion, um, I'll just go through the, the 10 bullet points. God's family is a place of expectations, forgiveness, encouragement, discipline, support, resolution, Identity, and there's another big one, identity, who you are in Christ. We didn't get that far. Security, acceptance, and comfort. Those are the things that come along with being part of a family. As the family of God, let us be steadfast, just like the apostles. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.